Before beginning, let's cover a few housekeeping items. Firstly, the show is for informational purposes only. Secondly, the show is made for people with little to no understanding of Bitcoin. The information included are directionally accurate generalizations. Our goal is to simplify as much as possible. And lastly, if you're more of a visual learner, head over to our YouTube channel, also called Weights and Measures. You can find a link in the show notes of each episode. Welcome to the Weights and Measures podcast. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. My name is John Galt. And I'm Alexi. And today we are going to be talking about where does Bitcoin live? Well, it mostly lives on the internet, but I think a good analogy is to ask another question. Where does the English language live? And the analogy is kind of useful because you can open up a dictionary, but that's not where the English language necessarily lives. So Bitcoin It's in our heads. It's in our heads, yeah. It's just the concept of Bitcoin, which is 21 million coins, proof of work, algorithm, and all the consensus rules, all the little rules of Bitcoin live in our head just like the English language protocol lives in our heads. The rules of Bitcoin and all the places it it lives, so to speak, is, is obviously... Is mostly online, but the big caveat to that is 80%, roughly, I mean, it depends on your, your sources, but most of the Bitcoin community goes off the fact that 80% of the Bitcoin supply lives offline, that is to say off the internet. So most of the Bitcoin, right now there's about 19.5 million total Bitcoin in circulation. That means around 17 million of it is in people's wallets offline they're called cold wallets and that can be in the form of people's it's on people's iphones it's on people's androids it's on people's laptops it's on people's but how how is it offline how is something that originated and is mainly on the internet purchased through the internet how Mm -hmm. is that then taken offline and kept offline and how do like okay so say if I was to buy Bitcoin and put it offline, how is it there? Yeah, it's a bit of a trip. So Because if I was to go to the ATM and take cash yeah. out and bury it in my backyard or mm-hmm. hide it underneath my mattress, I know mm-hmm. that it's there. Mm-hmm. But with Bitcoin, yeah, I, I guess never see it. One thing to point out is if your debit card and your credit card and your wallet doesn't have like it, it it's connected to a bank account that has digital dollars in it like those dollars don't really exist either they're just a a digital ledger that the bank keeps track of and so bitcoin and the dollars in your bank account are both digits on a screen now the question of how you can take the dollars you can go and you can go to an ATM and withdraw, you know, a certain amount. ATMs might yeah, block you. Your it. bank might, yeah, your bank might limit how much you can take out and all that. But with Bitcoin, you can, so when you send Bitcoin from where you bought it, like an, an exchange um, or a website like Cash App or Coinbase or Kraken or any of those exchanges, when you send it to a wallet, what you are doing is your wallet, whether it's your iPhone or a thumb drive, um, 
you are generating an address on that device and you are sending the Bitcoin from the online exchange to that wallet, to that address that, that was generated. And when you say it's on your iPhone, it's not like on Apple Wallet. It's on something different. Correct. You have to download certain apps. There's popular apps that are um, Bitcoin-only apps that are made for storing Bitcoin in a safe way. Okay, but it's still connected to the internet, so it's not actually truly yeah, offline, if you will. You can do... Um, you can do it on, a, on an old iPod Touch that doesn't have internet or cellular coverage, but only has Wi-Fi kind of thing. There's yeah. all kinds of ways to do it. People are, are creative with how to do it. You just have to have something that creates an address that you can send Bitcoin to. Okay, and so then it's you can kind s- of like an email address or a URL. Exactly. And think of it like this. Think of it as a safety deposit box. So the Bitcoin is basically a bunch of safety deposit boxes that live in cyberspace. And... When you send Bitcoin to a wallet, you're not actually sending... The Bitcoin isn't on the, the device, just the keys to the safety deposit box are on the device. The Bitcoin itself stays in the, the internet, stays in cyberspace, but you possess the keys, which you can then take the physical possession of in the form of 12 words or 24 words, and you can write those down, you can memorize them, you can put them in a book, you can write them in... Yeah. You can do but anything they, you want. So it never technically leaves the internet. Correct. Just You just have the keys. And you can take those keys anywhere in the world and just punch them in on a computer across the planet 10 years later, and you would, boom, you would have access to your safety deposit box. That is your Bitcoin. Okay. So, so you it's can... it's just a safety deposit box that doesn't have a physical location. Correct. It's just living on the internet. Okay. Which is a little edgy and weird, obviously. I mean, it's this is a new technology, so it's very bizarre and strange to wrap our minds around. But so is the internet. I mean, the, explaining the internet to your grandparents 10 years ago was bizarre. They were like, this is... Be careful. No, they still Skype you. Yeah. Funny to remember, everyone was super paranoid about putting your banking information online. It was like, don't do that. You're going to lose... Someone's going to hack your bank account and all that. And now we just do it every day, all day. But te- it's hard to remember 10 years ago, everyone was, was really paranoid of that. So... The point is, Bitcoin is is this mental hurdle that people have to slowly get over, and it just takes time and education, and we're all getting over it. But so, in terms of where does Bitcoin live? Yeah, it lives it lives online on, and this is another kind of confusing thing, but it lives on tens of thousands, maybe fifty thousand um, various computers scattered across the planet. They're called nodes. These nodes are think of them like a little router, like your internet router. And all they do is run the Bitcoin software. So you have to download the software just like you would download Microsoft Word or you download any app on your computer, whether it's a desktop or a MacBook, anything. You download an app, you download the Bitcoin software, and you have your node run this software. And all it does is keep track of the entire ledger, the entire history of Bitcoin up to the present day. So it keeps track of every single transaction in history back to when it first started in 2009 so which it's is kind of even almost like a ATM machine it just keeps track of people yeah putting it's money a, in and taking it out that's right it's like a decentralized bank and a ledger which is like just a record of account yeah. that keeps track of every single transaction and every single person's address and what they own and in their communicate with each other these nodes all communicate with each other and there's no way to cheat them no if you try to lie and say oh i actually have two whole bitcoin in my account when really you have half of one 
every other nodes are like, you're lying. They know that you can't lie and cheat to these, these nodes. They're all cross-referencing each other constantly. And, and literally every 10 minutes, there is global consensus where every 10 minutes, basically every node on the planet, tens of thousands of nodes all shake hands and say, this is the ledger today. This is the ledger this 10 minutes. And they do it again every 10 minutes. And it keeps track. It updates every transaction, which is over. It just passed over a hundred trillion transactions in its history. So, when you download Bitcoin, when you download the Bitcoin software on your computer, you are downloading the history of a hundred trillion transactions. Quick interruption here to make an edit. It was just said that there's a hundred trillion transactions. I meant to say a hundred trillion dollars worth of transactions. The total number of transactions in Bitcoin is 908 million at the time of this recording. Up to the present moment, it's quite a lot to wrap your mind around. And it's about 500 gigabytes. So it's easy on your computer. It, it'll take a couple days to download the whole thing. And then, then you have the history. The network. You have the entire history. That's right. That is right. There are 2 million Bitcoin that roughly that are online, which means they're on exchanges, which means they're on Coinbase or they're on Robinhood, Bi they're on Binance, they're on these huge exchanges that are, they're just where people will go to to purchase Bitcoin and then they just leave them on the exchange. It's convenient to do that. Now the risk with that is they can be confiscated. Someone in the company could disappear with your Bitcoin. You're, you're trusting this company to be a good custodian of your funds which most Bitcoiners... You're trusting them to hold your money for you. Yeah, which is what most people do with a bank, right? Most people just trust the bank to n not rob you, and there's reg government regulation and, and laws to prevent yes. that from happening. Now, the concern with Bitcoin is, is that there isn't any regulation or oversight. Correct. There's just 50,000 nodes across the planet, all cross-referencing continuously, and the most powerful computer network in the world by a mile protecting it all if you totaled up every supercomputer in the world if you total up microsoft amazon every huge computer technology company in the world and you can you took all their computer power and combined it you still wouldn't be nearly you wouldn't even be half as strong as what the bitcoin network is so the bitcoin network has this huge amounts of of energy that it's consuming and that energy is protecting, it's like wrapping the Bitcoin network in a cyber wall of energy that cannot be tampered with. So rather than regulations and politicians who can change the law at any moment, you have a network and basically an, an energy network of nodes and computation power that is protecting. It's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. It's a lot so of the words. Nodes are just essentially computers. Yeah, the nodes. There's this is a a pivotal moment in Bitcoin's history. Was it was called the block size war. This happened in 2017. The nodes and the miners had a fight. The miners wanted to make more money, and they wanted to change the rules to Bitcoin to allow them to make more money. The nodes said, "No, we don't want you to do that. We want to leave Bitcoin as it is, and you're not gonna." So how do they want to? What do the miners want to do? They wanted to allow more transactions. They wanted to let Bitcoin be quicker. They wanted to allow more transactions per second so they could make more money on the fees. Okay. And the nodes said, no, 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 you're not going to do that. And they didn't let, the, the nodes won the civil war 
and proved that the nodes are in charge of the rules here. The miners aren't setting the rules. They're just listening to the nodes. They have to subscribe to the rules that the nodes set. And this was proven without a, I mean, there's no more doubt about who runs the network. So it's important that as many people as possible run nodes. And Bitcoiners are always encouraging people to run nodes because it reinforces these rules. And it gives you a vote, essentially. Exactly. Exactly right. When it comes time to change rules. Ex yep, that's exactly right. Um, and then, so how does all this relate to the blockchain, which I'm sure yeah. lots of people have maybe it, heard of? Oh yeah, the blockchain is a very trendy word. Um, most people don't know this. The blockchain is just a clunky old database. It was invented in the 70s and it wasn't used for anything. Everyone, it was just kind of a pointless, useless database that you would... It just didn't make sense for companies to use a blockchain. It was just really clunky and slow. The first, what makes it clunky and what makes it slow? Well, it's the way it's designed it's, it really has one purpose that it's been used for, and it's a, to make a distributed ledger across a bunch of different individuals that can use it to reference and agree on. But if you're an individual company, it's painfully clunky and slow, and you don't want to use it, whereas it's, it's useful and vital for Bitcoin because it allows a distributed ledger that can be referenced across the entire planet. That's really the only use case. But you have all these people, big name people, who go on stage across the world and, and say, we're not that big of a fan of Bitcoin, but we love blockchain. And the Bitcoiners have heard this for 10 years now, and they go, okay, do something with a blockchain then. And everyone says, oh, we're going to do something. And then they try to do something with it. And they're like, this doesn't make any sense. We'd be better off just making an Excel spreadsheet that can keep track of everything. A, a blockchain just doesn't make sense. It's like putting a horse in front of your automobile and having it tow the, the car. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like you're using technology in a wrong, weird way that doesn't make any sense. And the Bitcoin community is adamant that the blockchain serves one purpose. And it's to be a, a ledger a, to allow an account it's basically an accountant in a distributed way that can be used for keeping track of people's funds so a blockchain is it's a very trendy word and a lot of people misuse it and a lot of people misunderstand it so it's just blockchain equals ledger that's all that, that's its real and only purpose yeah if you're gonna that's the best way to the nuts and bolts yep that's right a clunky database that really has one purpose, and it's just to serve the role of as a, as a distributed ledger. Which the early internet and even the internet now doesn't have much of, of a purpose for. Right. That's right. There's really been one successful use case. There's a lot of people who said, oh, we're going to put real estate on the blockchain. We're going to put food, like potatoes. I mean, there was articles that Walmart was going to put all their produce on a blockchain, and then you could track where your cucumber came from and all this nonsense and it just it just doesn't make sense at all people try all these things and they fail so then to kind of go back to earlier so can bitcoin work without the internet because i know that that you mentioned that the keys that we have for the wallets is like our own personal code to access this digital safety deposit box that doesn't live anywhere. So without the internet, how will you ever be able to access your funds if for whatever reason, say the government woke up one day and said, no more internet? 
do that is a common how does everything check how does yeah. it still keep functioning if the internet let's say a global emp went off or a solar wave hit the earth and it shut the internet off for a day or a week or a month your bitcoin would still be there as long as you have the keys your bitcoin's still there it's just a matter of once we turn the internet back on and everything's up and running again it's still going to be there now if they shut the internet off you, we have to realize that like half the world's gdp is is e-commerce oh. like running online gdp e-commerce what is it uh half the world's like e- economic power is okay. is online using the internet so you would instantly lose like so if the government really hates bitcoin and they say we're going to kill bitcoin we're going to turn the internet off you are also turning off half of the world's economic like production so all the industries suffer yeah and your bank account like how are you going to log on to your bank account i mean everyone uses the internet to access even if you're banking with traditional chase bank jp morgan you're going to lose access to all of your bank accounts if there's no internet you'd have to go to the physical bank branch and try to withdraw money but you'd be in line with thousands of other people who are all like wondering i mean it's so it's it's kind of it's pretty hyperbolic it's something many people ask but the Bitcoiners are kind of like, well, if they turn the internet off, we have much bigger problems than than Bitcoin being accessible. But even when they turn the internet back on, your Bitcoin is still is still going to be there. Okay. But Bitcoin transactions can happen since it's just information. People have sent and have proven, there's many videos online, of people sending Bitcoin transactions without the internet. Whether it's satellites, whether it's ham radio... People have sent Bitcoin transactions bouncing information off of the moon onto another receiver in another country. People videoed it and they successfully sent a transaction by reflecting radio signals off of the moon and back down to Earth. Yeah, <clears throat> it's just until you get internet, there is no confirmation. It would be, it would definitely slow and hinder things, yes. It's a reasonable assumption to make that the internet is going to continue. Yes. And that as long as the yeah, internet continues, yeah, it's pretty intricate part. It's kind of like ripping out the brain of humanity at this point. Yeah. So um, it's safe to say that probably won't be yeah, hopefully a concern. Right. I mean, it is a risk. Like, yeah. there's risk everywhere. Yeah. But if, if, if that, if the concern is losing your money with the internet going out, that would already happen just with the nature yeah, with your, of our online banking. That's right. That's that's a hundred percent correct. Yes, yes. Um, one other place where Bitcoin lives that is worth mentioning is the mining aspect. So Bitcoin mining is everywhere across the planet, and it has a stigma against it that is slowly changing. The narrative is changing, where people have been viewing Bitcoin mining as this extremely wasteful thing, where they're just using up energy and wasting it to mine these digital th- things that are worthless, and it's all a giant scam. It's a waste of energy we should use that energies to energy do crisis yeah they think we energy should use <clears throat> yeah energy crisis right and the bitcoiners and are kind of flipping that whole argument on its head saying actually the world produces twice as much energy per year than we consume so we are wasting vast amounts of energy every year which means i mean you need to take a deep dive into energy grids and how these things work you need to have a basic understanding of like the duck curve, energy production, energy consumption. When you turn your toaster on, a energy company has to be producing energy at that moment to meet the demand. And demand 
peaks and ebbs and flows as people go to work and come home. You have high demand and you have low demand that cycles every day on energy grids. Bitcoin is it's slowly being discovered by energy companies, by Chevron, by Shell Oil, by humongous energy and oil companies are realizing that Bitcoin helps smoothen these peaks and troughs of energy demand. As in it, They're calling it a load balancer, where when you have a bunch of energy being produced, when you don't have people using it, you usually have to do what's called curtailment, which is you, you waste the energy. You just literally run it into the ground. like You just dissipate it because there's no demand for it at the moment, and you can't store it. I mean, there are batteries, but the battery technology isn't good enough. It's slowly getting better. Curtailment, you have to get rid of energy, assuming you don't have a ton of batteries to curtail the excess energy. Bitcoin miners are coming and saying, hey, rather than waste that energy and run it into the ground, why don't you turn it into Bitcoin that you can then instantly sell for dollars or yen or euros or wherever you live. You can just instantly convert it to any currency you want, 24-7, 365. And these energy companies are realizing this, and it's a world-changing technology on the energy grid across the world. This is happening in Africa, it's happening in, in Europe, it's happening in Asia, it's happening in America, it's happening in basically every country where energy companies are realizing, hey, we have tons of excess energy, let's just mine Bitcoin with the excess rather than waste it. And we can literally take a wasted product and turn it into a monetized actual productive asset. Whether you hate Bitcoin or not, these energy companies are saying, this is a no-brainer. Let's just mine Bitcoin and turn Instead it into... Instead of wasting energy. Yeah. this is releasing it. That's right. This is a fun fact. In the Providence of Quebec, they have so many dams and so much excess energy that they could power the entire Bitcoin network with just the wasted energy alone. So anyone with half a brain would say, well, you guys are wasting a huge amount of energy every year. Why wouldn't you turn that into billions and billions of dollars and do whatever you want with the money? You guys are just wasting all this energy. So this is happening with oil and gas companies who flare gas, literally lighting gas on fire. So you see the huge fire stacks in the sky. You're literally just burning what could be Bitcoin. Or in other words, money. Quite literally burning money. And there's no other way to turn something that's energy intensive into a hard asset, which all you need to do is drop some Bitcoin miners on your site and you can power Bitcoin miners and produce Bitcoin. So that's happening all across the world. So when you ask where Bitcoin lives, it's quite a complicated answer, but that was kind of my long-winded best explanation. You're going to have to do a deep dive. These are all just generalizations here on this podcast, obviously. So there's a lot of good sources. I'll throw in some links in the show notes that you can read and learn some more. Hopefully enjoy the show. 